says, then came Matthew, or sorry, I can't read either, sorry. Let's try again. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Let's pray. Lord, as we turn to your word this morning and look at this passage, this lesson that Jesus is teaching, help us to learn this lesson, help us to understand it, uh, help me as I'm speaking, Lord, to be clear in this message, Lord, and that uh, we would grow in our knowledge and understanding of you and your character and your goodness, Lord, as we look at this this morning. So we just ask for your help in Christ's name. Amen. Looking at this just the story of this guy who owes a debt and he can't pay it and when it's demanded of him to pay it he's about to be sold <laughs> as a slave and he begs for mercy says I'll pay it I'll pay every cent of it just give me a little more time and that master that had, he was owing that money to simply forgives the whole debt. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine going to the bank with your mortgage and you've missed several payments and they're about to foreclose on you? And you just go to the bank manager and say, just give me another month. I'll, I'll make a payment. I'll pay the whole thing. And the guy's like, oh yeah? 
Okay, well, you don't owe me anything now. <laughs> it's paid for. Done. That's what is happening here. Can you imagine? Like, we don't see that kind of compassion, that kind of forgiveness today. And then this guy goes out and some other servant owes him some small debt. And when he goes to collect, you get the exact same scenario. And yet when the, ser- the other servant can't pay, he sends him to prison. He's like the full weight of the law thrown on him with no compassion, even though he gave the same plea for time. And that's kind of like what most of us are like, what our world is like when it comes to finances. As the new year um, was, was rolling over, I saw several people post the same little statement of their commitment for the new year. And um, part of that was, if anybody, if any of you owe me anything, that debt is forgiven. <laughs> As in, and they're, they're just starting the year fresh, forgiving completely all financial debt, all, all, all sin and all offenses. It was just like, I want a fresh start doing what this passage is kind of directing there. And that seems like a, a good thing, and Jesus is saying at the end here, if you will not forgive, God will not forgive you. There's a, a terrifying thought, isn't it? That if we are like that servant who is forgiven a huge debt but will not forgive some small debt that's owed to us, some trespass against us, some offense that's committed towards us, and we won't forgive it, it says God won't forgive you. There's an importance to this forgiveness. Now, I'm struggling with an understanding of what the definition of the word forgiveness is. Because when you look it up, here's a a dictionary definition. It says a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And that's a good definition. It's a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Now, in addition to that, as I was reading various descriptions of of this idea of forgiveness, um, some people, we feel the need to elaborate on that, and they gave a little bit of what forgiveness is not. It says it does not mean condoning or excusing offenses. It does not mean that you forget or deny the seriousness of the offense. It does not obligate you to reconcile with the person who harmed you or to release them from legal accountability. Now, those statements are, those conditions, however you want to put that, are put there because 
we get a, this world of, and we deal with this when we were with the camp and all these teens would come to us with issues and things that people have done and the harms that have been done to them in their lives. And they don't know how to let go of that and to move past that. And we deal with this issue of forgiveness. But at the same time, when they've been harmed by somebody and we tell them they need to forgive that person, that doesn't mean you go on allowing that person to continue harming you. <laughs> and that's where we see this need to what forgiveness is not. It's not condoning or excusing the offense. When a sinner is doing some offense and some harm to another person and you give forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you just reconcile your, yourself with them and as if nothing has ever happened and let them continue to do the same offense. Um, and this is a difficult thing because as you go through scripture, some of our, our human definitions of forgiveness don't seem to match the Bible's definition of forgiveness. And this is where I said I'm, I struggle with how do we define this thing, forgiveness? And one thing that I have seen as we've counseled people and the, the act of forgiving wasn't a release of the other person's offense. It was a release of my resentment towards the other person. The act of forgiving was for the person that was hurt, not for the person that was doing the hurt. And I'm not sure if that's exactly the forgiveness that the Bible is talking about. Um, this is something that we do humanly to allow ourselves to continue existing and not being bitter, and it's like the definition said, it's a deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment and vengeance. I'm no longer dwelling on the hurt that was done to me. I'm not worrying about the vengeance. I'm going to put that into God's hands if, if that's going to be the case, and let that be dealt with somewhere else, and I'm going to just move on with my life and not worry about that person anymore. I don't think that's exactly the biblical definition of, re of forgiveness. That's our, our human, worldly definition of forgiveness. But it's, I think it's something different than what the Bible is describing. We see a few different places where forgiveness is mentioned in the Bible. This story is one of them. I'm going to just turn to a couple of different examples so we can sort of see this definition that God gives. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, uh, verse 7. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So Christ's sacrifice, through faith in what Jesus did on the cross, 
believing Christ Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is a sinless, perfect man whose death paid for my sin. It's through faith in that that I get forgiveness. My debt's been paid. <laughs> That's the forgiveness. Is that, remember in Matthew 18, when the servant is brought before the master and it's demanded of him to pay what he owes, and he's about to be sold, he begs for a chance. And when he begs for that chance, he's forgiven, he's not just given the opportunity to continue paying his debt, he's forgiven the debt. The debt's gone. You no longer owe it. That's forgiveness. And so the worldly definition of forgiveness doesn't match the biblical definition of forgiveness. Because we said that it doesn't release them of their legal accountability. God's forgiveness releases us of our legal accountability. The debt of my sin is paid for. But it had to get paid for. Christ paid my debt. That's forgiveness. That's not the world's definition of forgiveness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I've been redeemed. Like, There's another word that I, I don't fully understand the definition of being redeemed, but it's like I've been bought. <laughs> I've been, I, I was gone, and the, the debt I owed put me in this debt of payment. I'm in prison, basically, and my debt's been paid, and then I've been brought out of that prison. That's kind of the kind of the definition or the description of what being redeemed would be. But this says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And even the forgiveness of sins. Like the forgiveness of sins is tied with that. But it's like it's paid for, it's gone. <laughs> it's not just a superficial, it's not releasing God of a sense of resentment or vengeance, it's releasing us of the debt. <laughs> so much beyond our, the personal for me forgiving, it's like I've erased that. Um, I, when, I was, when I had the garage, I would occasionally have customers come in and course they had no money and they owe me a pile of money and I would sometimes release the vehicle to them under the agreement that they would pay the debt and I just remember this one lady and I would call her every few months to remind her of hey uh, you still owe me this money you haven't made any payments can you please pay and she'd say yes and I'd never hear from her and months later I would call her again and do the same thing and one day I was driving to work 
and I'm feeling this sense of resentment towards her. And I'm praying about it, and God put on my heart, you need to forgive this woman to get the resentment out of my own heart. And so I did that, and I said, I'm going to call her one more time. And that'll be my last time I call her, and I'll just write that off. I'm not going to worry about it. I called her, and she showed up that day. <laughs> and the relationship was restored, and, I, and she started coming back and getting work done on her vehicle. But I put in my heart that I would forgive the debt. If she couldn't pay it, I didn't care anymore. I was going to just forgive the whole debt. But I, I called her, and she came, and she paid it. So I, didn't, I wasn't required to do that. Remember another time, another customer that owed me a fair bit of money, a couple thousand dollars. I had a very hard time forgiving that. She never did come. And I think the issue in my, my heart was that I felt like if I forgave her, forgave her, she might do the same as this other woman. But God wanted, God's working in my heart. He's like, no, she's not going to come and pay that. And I want you to forgive her anyway. <laughs> well, that's hard because I had this other experience where I was willing to forgive and I didn't have to because she came and paid. Well, now I'm, here's the next step. Can you forgive the next person where you don't get paid? Can you forgive that debt and say that she no longer owes you? That was hard. It's hard to let go of those sen that sense of resentment. But only in forgiving the debt, in clearing that debt in my mind that I no longer expect to be paid, that's the only way that I can get rid of the resentment. <laughs> I can't eliminate the resentment in my heart without forgiving the debt and not requiring that it be paid. It's a requirement to put the whole thing aside, that it's done, I've written it off. If we turn to Acts chapter 26... Absolutely. That very same experience. Well, you want me to share now? Oh, I, you're already talking. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I can do it in short. It is shorter. Some time ago, we had friends that moved to to the north, to the Eskimos. And I don't need to say what kind of people they were, but they were at our place a lot because they took showers there and they hauled water from us. And, and, and then when, before they moved, he bought a trailer and, and I helped him build a box on it. During that time, his wife, they, they lived in our house. Uh, we didn't have that much room, although we live in a hovel, but <laughs> they lived there. It was crowded. His wife had no experience, I guess, of money. I'm always aware of, but we need money in this world. She went to the washroom. Upon that, she came out, and I walked in, and I knew who it was. The paper was just worked like 
like this, you know, it was all on the floor. And I went into a rage, believe me. Christian went into a rage, I knew who it was. And I was so angry at her all the time they were there before they left. I was so angry, it bothered me, bothered me. So God, what did I do? What did I do now? I said, well, the Lord says, pray, pray about her, forgive her, which I did. Just like that. And I started loving her, I started talking to her. I loved her, I still love her, still love those people. But something came in between. When they were there, they phoned back. And something that I said about the scriptures has made a difference. They don't call us no more, so there is a difference there. But that seemingly is not on my part. But I wanted to say this part about her. How the Lord, all he answers prayers, especially those, mm -hmm. forgiveness. Yeah, amen. And before they left, she gave a hug to Jacob, and that even made us better. She did what? She, she did. She helped you before they left. Oh, she did? <laughs> yeah. All right. So in Acts 26, um, starting in verse 15, it says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? This is Paul speaking of his experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus met with him there. Um, he says, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, this passage is describing the process of receiving forgiveness. God, Christ's sacrifice on the cross, the Bible is clear, it was sufficient for everybody. It was enough for all sin of all time. But it is not applied to all people. Not everybody has received forgiveness of their sins. There's a process that God requires. It says, and this is just Paul describing the message that he's been given by God to deliver. It says to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. He needs to reveal who God is, what God requires, the, the law, so that they understand their sin. And inherit, inheritance. But they need to turn from the darkness to light. They need to change their heart. They need to change their attitude. They need to 
repent of their sin. That's a key in receiving forgiveness from God is that we need to want forgiveness from God. We need to ask for that forgiveness. Just like the passage that we're reading where the servant asks for mercy. He asks for forgiveness. And he got more than he asked for. But he had to ask. He had to want it. And I think God isn't telling us to just blanket forgive every harm that's ever been done to us. We need to forgive when a person is seeking forgiveness. When the person is repenting of the sin that they've done against us, it's then that we are required to forgive. When, in Matthew 18, when Peter asked this of Jesus, it says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? <laughs> like, the brother comes, he does the offense, and if you have older brothers like I have, they're going to <laughs> do things seven times over. No, no, word, no question about it. The same offense will come again. We're all like that, right? But it says, how often shall I forgive my brother? He understands that the brother comes and he's sorry for what he's done. Your, your older sister apologizes for something that she's said or done. And you forgive. And next week, they do the exact same thing again. And then apologize again and you're to forgive. And Peter's question is, do I forgive the same thing seven times? Is that not like? Is there a point where I can stop forgiving? And Jesus' response: Not till seven times, but until seventy times seven. It's like, just keep forgiving. <laughs> Don't worry about whether they're going to continue doing it or not. If if God's forgiveness of my sin required that my repentance of that meant that I was never going to do it again? We're in trouble, aren't we? How many times do we go to God and ask forgiveness for the same thing that we asked forgiveness for last week and the week before that and five years ago and every week in between and we're going to likely do it again? But our heart should say, I'm sorry and I don't want to do that anymore. That offense that I've committed, I don't want to continue committing. And that's what God wants, and he will. It has to be meant. <laughs> we have to turn from it. Like Repentance means that my heart says I don't want to do that thing anymore. And God will forgive. There's no limit to God's forgiveness of our sin. And there should be no limit of our forgiveness of others that are seeking our forgiveness. Just 
Turn with me maybe to, to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verse 3 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. That's the godly biblical prescription of forgiveness, is that when someone offends you and asks forgiveness, you give the forgiveness. And if they do it, and he went beyond what I did as an example. It's like, it's seven times in a day. <laughs> and you repents and asks forgiveness, you still forgive. That's the picture of God's forgiveness of us. And that's what God wants of us to give as well. I just want to turn to, to Romans 10. If we're give, giving the gospel to somebody trying to explain how to be saved, how to receive this forgiveness of sins that we're talking about, this is one of the passages that we typically would turn to and look at. Romans 10, verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And in this, to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, we need to confess the lordship of Christ over our lives. When you have friends that are asking you to participate in something that you know God does not want you to do, to take part in some sin, you know what your answer should be? It's that God wouldn't want me to do that. The Lord of my life forbids me from doing that thing, and so I cannot participate in that. As a Christian, I can't do that. That's what confessing with your mouth the Lord <laughs> is that I'm going to confess to you when you're asking me to take part in something that I shouldn't take part in. That my reason for not doing it is, you know, oh, I'm an alcoholic. I have been dry for, you know. No. Christ says, <laughs> if you're in Christ, you're no longer an alcoholic. You're just a sinner. <laughs> 
And that's something that God forbids me to do, is to be drunk with wine, and therefore I'm going to stop doing that thing because God wants me to stop doing that thing. And that's what I need to confess to you, is that it's because of him that I'm not taking part in that thing. Do you understand that idea that putting him first, putting him as Lord of my life, means submitting myself to his will? And that when I understand that something that I'm doing doesn't conform to his will, that I need to be willing to openly say to you that he's the reason I'm not doing that. I don't want to make excuses outside of that. It's that he's, he's the Lord of my life, and I don't want to take part in anything that offends him. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. I need to turn from my sin. I need repentance. And that's what repentance is, is putting God first, putting him as the Lord of my life. I'm no longer the Lord of my life, but he is. I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to seek forgiveness from him, and he's going to give it. John 14, 15, he says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, we're to, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're to take control over our minds and our bodies. We're, we're to cast down imaginations. Isn't it the thought in our mind that that's where everything, all of our sin comes from is some imagination. And we can commit horrendous sin in our imaginations without ever leaving the church pew. We could be sitting there and be committing gross atrocities because of our imagination. And God holds us accountable to our imaginations, even. It's not the physical act, it's the thought that God even requires us. And it's those, it's that that we need to confess and commit to Him and to seek forgiveness from that. Let's pray. Lord, as I look at this definition that man has made of what forgiveness is, it seems to only be a partial definition that doesn't fully describe the forgiveness that you offer through Christ's sacrifice for our sins, Lord. But Lord, we do need to repent and seek your forgiveness in order for you to forgive us and 
when others come seeking forgiveness of us, you've commanded us to do the same, to forgive them. So Lord, help us to follow that example. Help us to understand that, be willing to do that. So Lord, we just commit this into your hands and we just ask your blessing on each one in Christ's name.